Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Brainosaur presents the Weekday Warriors of Welcome to the Weekday Awards of Wrestling for November 22nd. I am Eric Clancy alongside Patrick Kelly, and we are here to uh, recap Survivor Series, TakeOver, and Raw. So if you'd like us, make sure to uh, subscribe to us uh, on... Follow us on so TalkShoe. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, so what is that, 10 hours of content in like four days? In four days, I think so. I think so. Something yeah, like that. Three days? Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> so follow us on uh, on Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Um, but let's hop right into it. So, yeah, so WWE had like 18 shows in the past like few days. Um, <laughs> and I they have a the, show tonight, as we're taping this, actually. Yes, it, it started 11 minutes ago. Um, oh, no, I'll miss it. Um, <laughs> anyway, the uh, the biggest thing that I guess I wanted to talk about was or I guess most people are expecting us to talk about would be Goldberg would be the main event of Survivor Series would be most of Survivor Series. Uh, where do we begin, Patrick? Um, I mean, do we just want to jump right into the Goldberg Lesnar match? Let's do it. Okay. Um, there's a lot of negative to be said about what happened in the main event of the show. If you've been living under a rock for the last few days, um, they actually decided to close with Goldberg versus Lesnar, and Goldberg defeated Lesnar quite easily with, in less than a minute and a half, I believe, with two spears and a jackhammer. Now, um, some people hated this. Some people loved it. Um, I am more on the negative side. I do see the positives of doing something like this. Uh, it was unexpected. It, was, it adds some level of... Uh, drama to future matches because it's like oh well fuck if it happened once it could happen again and it creates the vibe that the match can end at any point um so i like that um as as an old goldberg fan it was cool to see him actually presented like goldberg should be um so i i'm not gonna lie i did mark out a little bit but the problem with this is that they gave lesnar the streak which is literally the biggest win you can give anybody bigger than winning the title um, they built him up to the point where he was pretty much unbeatable. His only real loss, uh, I mean, Cena beat him by DQ, but that's, that's a DQ loss. That's not really being defeated. And he had that stupid match with Undertaker at uh, uh, SummerSlam, but even that was the way... He hasn't lost him. clean since the streak was ended. In fact, he hasn't yeah, lost he, clean since WrestleMania 29. In fact, yes, correct. Yeah, absolutely. So... 
by this point, Lesnar was viewed as an unbeatable, unstoppable monster. And this year alone, Dean Ambrose pretty much got fed to him on a silver platter. Randy Orton got completely obliterated by him. So Lesnar is the guy to beat. So whoever ultimately beats him is going to be a fucking, a fucking beast, right? A great opportunity to make a new star. We've been talking about it all year. It's like, all right, guys, it's time to start thinking about cashing in those chips with Lesnar. And... The guy who beats him is a 50-year-old man who is, and no disrespect, but he's kind of a one-trick pony. He's also 50 years old. He also had his big run and hit his prime in the late 90s. To also, me, he's, not gonna, he's, he's, he's also not going to give back to your company. I mean, the, the biggest thing I see, and people are like, well, you know, like, like the reason apparently they did this was because Goldberg signed was signed to a longer deal, which will include the Royal Rumble and what most people are assuming WrestleMania. So we're assuming apparently the plan for right now is either Goldberg and Undertaker, which grown, or <laughs> Goldberg and Lesnar. I, and and from what I heard, the plan. Yeah, go ahead. Um, if they do Goldberg Taker and Goldberg beats Undertaker in three minutes, I will thoroughly enjoy that. That would be funny, but they won't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, they won't. Or Goldberg and Lesnar, although from what I understand, the the Brock Lesnar, Shane McMahon plan was still in place for WrestleMania, which yippee ki yay. Um, here's Does Shane really want to get in there again? Well, probably. Um, I mean, okay. if he survived Kurt Angle's suplexes from all those years ago, he can survive that spear that he took. Um, mm-hmm. Like, my biggest issue, on top of everything else, yeah, no, I get why they did it. Like, first of all, they wanted 1998 Goldberg, which is funny because they could have just done that in 2003 and, and been done with it and then, you know, actually had him there. But at a certain point, you need to realize when time has passed people by. And Goldberg signed a long-term deal because his appearance made the ratings go up, like, half a point. Like, nothing major, but they they did tick slightly upwards. But to me, that's like, to me, that's like a, a nostalgia pop, and it's like a, a novelty thing, whereas, like, you think every week he's going to do that, and every week the numbers are going to go up, because I don't. And I look at it as, how are you going to sustain, sustain success? How are you going to continue that going forward? So for me, it's not building up Goldberg, because Goldberg is... 50-something years old, let's be honest, he's not going to be a long-term standard in this company. And if he jobs to anyone, it's going to be Lesnar or Undertaker, guys who don't need it. So you've had Lesnar job to Goldberg. So now you've taken all of what you created with Brock Lesnar and given it to Bill Goldberg. So instead of giving it to Cesaro or Rusev or Ambrose or Rollins or, or Bray Wyatt or Nakamura or like, anyone, Kevin Owens, anyone, you give it to Goldberg. And the fact that you flushed three years of of building a guy up down the drain so you could have a guy pose for his son or something, like, I thought they were running a business. Like, I, 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 like, I, I didn't, I thought this wasn't a feel-good, like, company. I thought it was a corporation. I thought it was a business. I thought it was there to make money. And in order to make money, you need to create interesting characters and build them up and give them credibility. And to do that, you have your older stars job to your younger stars. 
So I'm not saying like have Lesnar just get completely beat and like and you know not not you usable anymore, but like make somebody else. Like like I don't understand what the point of them doing this is. And then and then the Vince McMahon goes on podcast and says, "Well, nobody's reaching for the brass rung. What the fuck do you want him to do? What would you <laughs> well, like them to do?" Well, here's my big question. And again, I don't mean to disrespect Goldberg. I mean I was a fan of the guy back in the day, but. What did he do to grab the brass ring that Vince McMahon is talking about to well, deserve a minute-and-a-half-long main event? That's the thing. It's like they forget this is a fake sports show. Nothing happens unless it's written and allowed to happen. You don't tell me that Laertes and Hamlet didn't grab the brass rung because he didn't defeat Hamlet. He's not supposed to. It's in the fucking script. The only thing you Great can pull. judge... <laughs> What'd you say? Great poll. I love Shakespeare references. <laughs> and, like, the idea that, like, oh, you know, anything other than what they're doing with what they're given, you, you can't fault them for. So I don't understand what this brass rung stuff is. I don't understand it. I never have, beyond the fact that Vince is just saying, well, nobody's, you know, I mean, you've got social media now. And then four minutes later in the same interview, he rolls his eyes when, when talking about social media. So, you know, it, it, it's just so insane and this is this has been the ML of the company for quite some time i would say since the rock came back the rock coming back at wrestlemania 27, 27. i guess it was was yeah. one of the single most destructive things for the long term health of this company because they went from instead of just using the same old stale guys you see every week which would have been like cena and batista etc oh now we get now we get stale guys that you see like once every six months, every eight months, and they beat your normal guys, so everybody on your your regular show looks like shit, and then it quote-unquote pops a rating, although it doesn't. Like, I can't tell you how much of a drop-off there was from WrestleMania 28 to 29. Like, the idea that 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 these guys are helping, it's like, and maybe The Rock does. Maybe maybe his appearance does. But over time, Goldberg's doesn't. Lesnar has been completely nerfed over the past few years. Um, I don't think Triple H moves the numbers to any major degree. I mean, Nielsen-wise, he certainly doesn't. I watch the Nielsen ratings, and, and that's something WWE cannot spin. And I, I've said it before, I've said it, said it again, things that they think are our big numbers movers aren't. And it's like, try something else because what you're doing is not working. And until you put one of your normal guys above these part-timers, you're not going to have anyone that seems like he's better than these part-timers. Absolutely. And that's, like you said, that's been the problem for years. And CM Punk talked about that in that infamous podcast with Cole Cabana where he said, all right, so I lose to Undertaker, Undertaker leaves. I lose to Brock, and Brock leaves. I lose to Rock, and Rock leaves. And my stock is dropping, and, you know, in the eyes of the fans, they're only going to care when these guys show up because they're the ones that you're conditioning them to think, you know, they're the ones that matter. And that's very, very bad. And it, it's it's funny you say that because if CM Punk ever comes back, and I, you know, you always hear that never say never, Everybody um, comes back sooner or later. I, yeah, I, I would be, I would be shocked if he didn't. And and I think whether that's three years down the road or five years or seven years down the road, I feel like he'll be back. He'll be back in a part time deal, and he'll be back in that same kind of deal. And they'll put him over whoever else is there, and it'll be the same stuff because once he leaves, 
And Vince sees that he added $47 million in revenue to the UFC pay-per-view that he was on. He'll say, oh, my God, that guy was a star. The problem is you need to realize they're stars when you have them. And, you know, it, it, the, the weirdest thing about this is it's not like they don't. Because Vince McMahon thinks Dean Ambrose is a star. Vince McMahon somehow thinks Bray Wyatt is a star. Vince McMahon thinks Seth Rollins is a star. He thinks that these guys are top guys, yet he will not put them over his superstars. He will not put Ambrose over Lesnar. Like, I, I don't even know what to say about Wyatt. I mean, that's, that's a lost cause. Um, you know, it, it's just like he, there are guys that he likes and he thinks they're stars, but it's still like, well, we can't put them over, you know, you know Triple H or Brock Lesnar or whoever. Now, I, I do think that Seth Rollins will probably go over Triple H at WrestleMania. I, I think that will happen. And mm-hmm. because I think, number one, I think Triple H likes Seth Rollins a lot. And number two, um, uh, this man likes Seth Rollins a lot. But the the, the major issue is, and, and I I understand that they don't want to have Triple H get beat like every four seconds or Lesnar beat because then if everybody's beating them, it's not special. But you can do it like more than once every year, you know, or you can like, and for Lesnar, I'm not even asking once a year. I was asking for once in three years, you know? So it wasn't like anyone, I was asking for anyone to beat Lesnar every week or every month or every even year. I was saying, like, just one guy. Just have Cesaro do it or Rusev or Ambrose or one of these guys you think can be a main player. And, like, to me, there's always a reason. There's always a reason someone can't do it. I remember when, when Ambrose was. They're like, oh, Ambrose isn't big enough to beat Lesnar, blah, blah, blah. So I say, oh, what about Rusev? And they say, well, you know, Rusev's not marketable enough to beat, like, Lesnar. I was like, okay, what about Cesaro? And they're like, oh, well, he doesn't have the mic skills. I'm like, if you're waiting for that guy, I don't think it's ever going to happen. But you need to commit to fucking someone, you know? And could you imagine, again, let's go back to the Goldberg-Lesnar match, and let's book that match exactly the way it was with somebody else. Like, let's say Cesaro gets a win like that, or Rusev, or any of those guys that you just listed. Could you imagine what that would have done for their careers if they had been the ones that had destroyed Brock Lesnar in the main event of a pay-per-view? Yeah. And how many – what stories do you have to go from there? Like, let's say it's Rusev. Let, let's just, and by the way, for everybody listening, I'm not suggesting you do this right now. You don't have Rusev go in there and beat Brock Lesnar or Cesaro based on how things are currently constituted. I'm saying, like, theoretically, if WWE had any foresight and built them up as a credible challenge, and then you do it, I'm not saying, See, like, that's the other thing with today's generation. You kind of touched up on it. Only are they getting jobbed out to the part-timers. They also, by virtue of the fact that they're on TV every week, they're the ones that suffer from all the bad booking and the overexposure that the part-timers don't suffer from, which is another yeah. problem. Yeah, and that's why they seem more. the part-timers seem more special. And it's the same way that the stars in the mid-'90s, I hate to go back to the mid-'90s, but it's a blueprint that NXT has kind of used to perfection. I mean, it's why The Undertaker, Bret Hart, Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels all seemed like super special superstars back then because you didn't see them every week. You saw them like once a month, maybe, you know, I, in fact, like to my knowledge, I, I know we, we talk about this a lot, but how often did you see Undertaker in like 1995 on Raw? I can count like maybe five times he was on Raw. Yeah. Uh, um, it was very rare. Yeah. 
I mean, I and remember they, that. They applied that type of booking with a lot of guys. And actually, that was the year they started doing the in-your-house pay-per-views. I think Undertaker was barely on those shows. No, well, the, the thought process for that was, um, for the most part, you would only get two of the four big guys on the shows. So mm-hmm. if if Sean and Brett were wrestling on the show, Undertaker and Diesel or whoever would be after the show because they didn't want to give it because they wanted to justify the difference in price. Because if you mm-hmm. watch Royal Rumble or WrestleMania or whatever, you get to see everybody. But if you if you ordered in your house, the only way you get to see the other guys is if you were in the arena because they would do matches after that. Which is mm-hmm. smart thinking. Like like it differentiates, it gives a value justification. It's like fairly smart business. Um yeah, no, he wasn't on a ton of those. I mean he, he wrestles basically <laughs> he, he wrestles like the amount of times he wrestles now. No, I'm kidding. But um you know, it, it just it's just so indicative of this company. And I remember in WrestleMania, which kind of like like made me watch a lot less this year because of what they did to their talent. I mean you oh, God, see, that show was so the New Day gets stunned by Steve Austin. And the war, the League of Nations gets super kicked and mandible clawed, and you know The Rock beats down Eric Rowan and Bray Wyatt, and Brock Lesnar goes over Dean Ambrose, and The Undertaker and Shane McMahon are wrestling each other, and The Undertaker doesn't even wrestle a guy who's not you know who, who's a wrestler, um, you know it's it just like and then Roman Reigns goes like Roman Reigns is the one guy that goes over like Triple H, and to me, it's just like, like, what do you think is going to happen in the next, like, four or five years? Like, you think people are going to, like, take Kevin Owens and AJ Styles as seriously when when the guys they beat are, are not these cool, awesome guys from the new generation, the ruthless aggression and the attitude era that you just keep telling us are so much better than this, this era of superstars? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. My question is, when are we going to get to that point where they start bringing back the mid-2000 guys as part-timers, like MVP and Carlito, and start putting them over everybody? Well, I mean, to a degree, they did it with Batista. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, like, they've done it. It's just which guys are they going to do it with? It's always, it'll be like the main eventers and stuff. I mean, so, um, and they pick their guys. I mean, they pick who who they want. I mean, you know... For that ruthless aggression era, it was, you know, it was Cena, Lesnar. Actually, it goes in this order uh, of importance. Lesnar, Cena, uh, and I guess Batista and Ordner are interchangeable. But, um, you know, and now it's, it's, it's the three shield guys are the, are the ones that they will put over most people. But it's like, it takes fucking forever to do it. Like, you know, Reigns, of course, get, goes over Hunter. Um, Rollins, I'm sure, will. And Roll- they gave Rollins wins over Sting. I'm not going to complain about Rollins because they've handled him fairly well as far as wins and losses. Um, Ambrose, not so much. And Reigns, I feel like they just, like, like they're, they're not going to turn him heel either, it, it seems, like, despite complete apathy towards him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody really even cares. I love when they, they, they mentioned Roman Reigns in that great segment on Raw with, 
with Jericho and Owens, and they said, blame, like, blame Roman Reigns. Everybody started chanting, like, Roman sucks. And they're like, oh, we're in bizarro world. I'm like, are we really? I think it's just regular world. Because they're, like, cheering fucking Goldberg. Like, how Mark-ass stuff is that? You know, they're cheering Goldberg when he's like, oh, my wife is here, and I'm a, I'm a son of a bitch, and my dumb kid's here, and blah, 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 blah. And they're, like, cheering that crap. And then they boo Reigns. I'm like, they're not like a smarky crowd. They just, nobody likes Roman Reigns. That's pretty much it. Like, it's not even like, go ahead. I was just going to say, the fans have pretty much made up their minds about him, and they just haven't caught up to that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah it, it's not like, it, it's like, it, here's the thing, and this is a double-edged sword and it sucks, but when wrestling fans make up their mind, there's very little you can do to change it. And I don't mean that as like, oh, that's right or wrong. I'm just saying it is what it is. When when, Re- when they turned on Reigns in, like, I guess fall of 2014, it was, like, pretty apparent. And then, like, after the Royal Rumble, it was super obvious. They kept trying to salvage it. And they were like, oh, he, he just plunges over the top rope. I'm like, I don't, like... John Cena did, like, fucking code reds on people. They didn't care, you know? Like, like when wrestling fans have made up their mind, you can either fight against it or you can just go with it, turn the guy heel until he gets over again, and, and then just, like, and then roll with him as a face then. But I, I just, I don't know what the problem is. Where it works been, for The Rock. It worked for The Rock. It works for everybody. I mean, even New Day, you look at New Day, and they started off terrible, and then they, they, they went with it. They turned them they turned them heel. They got over as heels, and then they turned them face. And now they're, like, starting to be terrible again with, like, really repetitive, not funny mm-hmm. stuff and awful storylines that they're involved in. And I don't know, maybe you hope they, they, they go back in that other direction again. But, you know, for, some, for whatever reason, when they pick a quote-unquote guy to be their face of the company... Um, they, they're unwilling to ever do that. It's really bizarre. And there's no precedent for it either, except for the fact that they did it with Cena and nobody liked it. But it's like, yeah, fuck it. That's our thing now. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. I guess it's, I guess it's just going to happen. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm always against the idea of having like one dude and to a degree, I don't think they're. There is one dude. I don't think it it is just Roman. I think they've got the three of them, um, which is probably the best way it should be. Because if you remember, like, you know, um, new generation, you had, like, three or four guys. Attitude era, you, you had Austin, but you also had Rock. You had Triple H. You had a multitude of guys. Austin for a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could swap guys in and out of that spot. And that's the thing. If you become too dependent on one guy, everything suffers. And, I mean... Because that, that that Hogan stuff, I guarantee you, if that happened in today's television era, oh, it would have been fucking awful. I mean, Hogan worked because you saw him. Like, and I mean, I don't think he worked personally, but you know, Hogan worked on a theoretical level because you saw him like once every six months. Like, you'd see him on, mm-hmm. like you'd see him on Saturday Night's oh, Main Event. Oh, I never saw him wrestle except unless it was Saturday Night's Main Event. It was very, very rare where you would see him wrestle on free TV. Yeah, they wouldn't show him on 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 primetime, would they? Not that I recall. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to order the pay per views and stuff. So think about that. And there was like two pay per views a year. So yeah, 
you're getting so much less than you were getting. Like I've said it before, John Cena was the most seen. The, the, the diet we had of John Cena was more constant than anything we had ever had before. More than Hogan, more than Austin, more than anyone. And I mean, and Austin had been the previous one. The, 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 the insane thing about Steve Austin is it took him as long as it did to get stale because he was like he was the main character on a two-hour primetime television show that ran for 52 weeks a year. And we talk about him getting injured all those times. That was probably the best thing that could have happened to him because it kept him fresh. Like, we talk about that all the time. In, in 1998, Austin was out for most of the fall. Um, and then he got then he basically had a run where he went up until August. Then he was out for like a month, month and a half. Then he went until November. Then he was out again. Like there was, there was almost never an over year long period when you had Steve Austin just uninterrupted. Yeah, when you did, it was like his heel turn, which nobody liked. <laughs> yeah, that was ter- that was terrible. Yeah, that was awful. And like you're like, yeah, I mean, the matches are kind of good with Kurt Angle, but this this, this stuff was terrible. Um, all right, so. Survivor Series, I mean, so that's our thoughts on Goldberg and Lesnar, which is probably the prevailing opinion for most people, so I don't think that's anything uh, revolutionary. Um, I mean, I did hate that every aspect of the Survivor Series, like, there was nothing on the line. They're like, Stephanie says, if you lose, you're going to be fired. And then the next day she says, well, it was just motivation. It's like, we can't, you talk about unreliable narrator, it's just, (laughs) <laughs> like nothing means anything on this show. No. And then, then, then <laughs> I you're like, oh. that. She said that. Yeah, yeah. She said it to Foley. Oh God! Wow. Okay. And I actually, I, you know, I didn't hate Raw. I thought it was fine. Um, it, it was a fairly like they had like mid card feuds. They had like tag team matches and stuff. Like if you look at it as a structured show, it's fine. If you like dig anywhere under the surface for next week. Yeah. Well, that is, that is enjoyable. I do like that. The problem is it's the club against the new day for the 19th time ever. They're like, look out new day. The club is coming for you. I'm like, they just had like a four month feud where the new day beat them a thousand times. How are they in line for a title shot? Because they beat Golden Truth. I, You know what sucks? What really sucks? In 2005, you and I always complained. In 2006 and, and stuff, we were like, oh, God, there's like three tag teams. It's terrible. It's like, you know, they have so many tag teams now, but they fucking split them up between the two shows, which hurts them even more. And then there's three hours, so they need to wrestle every week. My God, if you if you had an hour show, can you imagine how fresh it would be? You could take these, like, 12 tag teams and go for, like, years with it. It would be like the 80s tag division all over again. Oh, I mean, NXT does it. I mean, and they don't have nearly as many tag teams, but they – It I seems like they do. They it yeah. seems like they have a 1,000. Yeah, they just did a whole fucking tournament. It was great. I liked it. Yeah, it was good. Let's see who do they have. Let me go. Let me go through this. So, uh, and the fact that they have jobber teams um, is awesome. helps a lot because then it seems like there's more. Oh my god, NXT! I'm looking at their roster. NXT has like eight people on it, but my god, it seems like they have so much more because of how they how the show is structured. So let's see here. Uh, I'm gonna. This is not a lot of people, Patrick. Let me go through this for you. I'm gonna read. I'm not going to. Um, 
I'm not going to the, the include like announcers and stuff, but Occam, Alexander Wolf, Aaliyah, Andrade Cien Almas, Angelo Dawkins, uh, the curse of greatness and never winning a match. Asuka, Austin Aries, Billy Kay, Bobby Roode, Buddy Murphy, um, Dash Wilder, uh, Elias Sampson, Ember Moon, Eric Young, Hideo Itami, who's injured, Johnny Gargano, Liv Morgan, Mandy Rose, uh, Nick Miller, Nikki Cross, No Way Jose, Oni Lorcan, uh, Peyton Royce, <laughs> Token Razor, Roderick Strong, Samoa Joe, Sawyer Fulton, Scott Dawson, Shane Thorne, Shinsuke Nakamura, Tommaso Ciampa, Ty Dillinger, Wesley Blake. That's like eight. That's like really, honestly, I think it's like seventeen people. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's not a lot, but it seems like there's so many for two reasons. Number one, they have a ton of jobbers. Number two, it's an hour long show. Lucha Underground's roster seems like it's enormous. In fact, it, I, I I do think it is secretly enormous because they did have. Uh, twenty man uh, Aztec warfare and like without a bunch Puma, of Phoenix Aerostar, a bunch of guys left off. A bunch of people were not in it. Yes, correct. Was Drago in it? I don't even remember. Yes, he was number twenty, but he didn't last long. Yes, he got like one bit in. Yeah, um, yeah. There's like no one in NXT. When <laughs> this is so funny, um, except for Angelo Dawkins, the curse of greatness. I like that he has his own thing. I hope they have, like, a gif of him stirring the pot. Um, <laughs> is uh, is Lindsay Dorado, is he in NXT or is he on Raw now? I believe he's supposed to be on Raw. I couldn't, I honestly, because I zone out during the Cruiserweight matches, I honestly couldn't tell you if he's wrestled on Raw. I'm going to, I'm going to go through this, the Raw superstars, because why not? Let me see here. Drew Gulak is on there. Uh, Lindsay Dorado yeah, is on Raw. Okay, Jack Gallagher is supposed to be there too, but I haven't seen him. Jack Gallagher is not on this thing, though. Yeah. He's on the advertisements for the Cruiserweight division, so. Yeah. Also, uh, why is Neville not in the Cruiserweight division? Uh, I think he's hurt. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> that might help. He's the guy that they kind of got over. So, you know, maybe they can build the division around him. But, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't mind the Cruiserweight matches this week. Like, I didn't um, I didn't mind. I, I thought Cedric Alexander and um, Davari was a fairly good match. My, like, part of me was like, when Davari was like doing that tired-ass, I'm not from here. I have my own customs thing. Uh, I was just like, fuck this. But, like, the match itself was good. And at least they gave, like, at least they gave heel heat to someone. In it. I mean, I prefer someone didn't have, like, someone had unique point of views and not just like, I'm not from this country, even though I really am. And, uh, or I guess it was in Canada, but he's just like, this place sucks because I'm vaguely foreign looking to Vince McMahon. So, you know, it's just like, that's like boring to me. It always works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, It's old standby. Um, So I thought that match was fine. Um, I would prefer Cedric Alexander was the number one contender instead of Rich Swan because... Like, 
Rich Swan. Oh, you can't handle this? I love how everybody just keeps chanting it. Also, he just seems like he has so much fun. He has a lot of fun. He's just such a happy guy. He has so much fun. He's a fun haver. Um, also, why does Noam Dar do that, like, grabby hands thing? He's done that in the Cruiserweight uh, Classic, which I'm done with, by the way. I'm caught up on the Cruiserweight Classic. How great was it? It was great. But let me tell you this. When Zack Sabre Jr. and Kota Ibushi said they did not want to sign WWE contracts, boy, oh, boy, did you feel let down with the champion. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like... I was legitimately shocked that both of them, because I figured one of them would make it to the finals, so I was shocked that both of them got eliminated. Well, they were both offered the spot, which is good because they're the two best in the of, of everyone. Um, in fact, I would say they would be the top two and then like Jack Gallagher. Um, and they both said no. I guess they can make more money on the independent scene, but it's just like Perkins is fine, like, and that's really, like, he's fine. Like, that's how I feel about him. Like, I think, like, I would pay, I would pay to go see Zack Sabre Jr. perform, and I would pay to see Koto Bushi perform. If T.J. Perkins was around, I'd be like, yeah, what's the rest of the card look like, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, 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 those two were so far ahead of everyone else, and you could, you could see it. Um, and Perkins was fine, but I felt Perkins was as good as Grand Metallic. I thought, like, he was, like, on Tazawa's level. I thought he was, like, he was, like, that level. Like, he was good. Well, of the newer faces, like, the guys that weren't, like, at the Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr. level, I mean, Jack Gallagher was my guy. I, I don't know about it. Yes, I thought, I thought he was, I thought he was, if you put those two at the top, I would put him at number three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I liked Lince Dorado, too. I liked... Um, I would throw Graham... Kendrick up there. He did really well. Yes, yes. Um, and Cedric, too. I thought Cedric did a really great job. I mean, I, I think I, I would probably say Cedric and Ibushi would still be one of my favorite matches that, that, out of all of them. Um, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, you just you just see the difference between those two guys and everyone else. Um, and, and then you're like, oh, okay, T.J. Perkins, nin- Super Nintendo Man is the uh, is the champion. All right, I guess that's fine. I think. Sure. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's chat a little bit about Takeover. Uh, did you finish watching it? Yes, I did. Great show. Yeah, good show. Um, I thought the opener was was. Great. I always love the little the special things they do on the takeovers. It makes them feel like mm-hmm. like special, you know. Um, well, this match, I mean, this particular match, Rude versus Dillinger, this is the type of match that you would see on Raw every single week um, if these two were on the main roster. So by the time you get to the pay-per-view, nobody cares. This yeah. is the first time we've seen them tangle, so it felt like, oh, my God, this is great. And the fans just ate up everything that they did. Oh, my God, yeah, I know. So, yeah, and that's... And Rude is so good at that type of match. He's so good at when the crowd is just into everything. He knows exactly how to milk it. He knows when to cut it off before it becomes too repetitive. He know he's he's really good at that. And Dillinger is just has so much enthusiasm and and so much heart. And the fact that they are both Canadian, that they both have similar personalities that come from 
different places. Like Ty Dillinger's perfect 10 masks the fact that he's basically kind of been a, a kayfabe failure for like ever, you know, and the perfect 10 is like mm-hmm. kind of his way of projecting success. And Bobby Roos is coming from the fact that he's just an asshole, you know? And so you put those two together in their story and don't have them wrestle 900 times leading up and it's fresh and it's fun. And, um, you know, him hitting his hands and, and, and doing the 10 thing. And then Bobby Roode going for the tiebreaker, um, you know, getting a clean win didn't hurt Dillinger. I thought, by the way, I thought the book was No, correct. I thought this was a star maker for Dillinger. This was his breakout match, I thought. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I know people are like, you go let Dillinger win one final. I'm like, I don't know if you do. Like, I think it works like he's, he's, he's had a kind of a steady progression, whereas, like, you know, he would, for a while, he was, he was jobbing to, to big names, and then he was beating jobbers, and then he was having competitive matches with stars, and then he was beating mid-card guys, and now he's in pay-per-view matches, and this is his first real pay-per-view match, because on Brooklyn he was in the pre-show, and granted, he got to look like the most important guy in the world and and beat Wesley Blake, but um, this is his first pay-per-view actual match, and, um, you know, it was competitive. Uh, he lost clean, but I don't think it hurt him, and I thought Rude going over is the right thing to do, because, I mean, I guess, like, if Nakamura gets the title back, which... I don't know. Are they just keeping Joe on there? You need some strong heels built up is what I'm saying. And and I think Rude is a guy that you need to have waiting in the wings for whoever. But um, and a good spot for Dillinger, um, you know, when Sami Zayn got moved up and Bailey got moved up, NXT kind of lost their, their two best baby faces, those underdogs that you really want to see. Yeah. Big one. I think this could be the start of Dillinger being set up for that spot. Yes. Yes. I, I think I would agree with that. He's one of the only people on that show where you're just where you do have that kind of connection with. Um, um, yeah, and I mean maybe him and maybe maybe Gargano and and DIY. Um, uh, yeah, no. So um, see, we had a rematch from uh, from the opener of uh, Takeover Brooklyn for the um, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Authors of Pain went over TN61. Um, thought it was a fine match. Um, I, I, I like the Authors of Pain just because I like having a bruiser tag team. Yeah, I mean that you kind of need you kind of need people like. Unfortunately, the indie scene is full of a bunch of like five foot eight guys that jump around all the time, which is fine. But like, please God, give me some variety, and um, the Authors of Pain pr- provide that and. I'm hoping we can build up to DIY versus Authors of Pain, which I'm assuming is what's coming next. Um, that ought to be fun, and maybe, I don't know, maybe they do something with Sanity. But, um, uh, yeah, I think that was the right Sanity, call Sanity, the there. next gimmick that the WWE will fuck up when they move to the main roster. Oh, my God, yeah. I think we all saw the Wyatt family seeing Sanity. <laughs> yes. Because yes, you, you hadn't watched you hadn't watched NXT when the Wyatt family were on it, right? No, no, I didn't. Imagine Tyler Breeze, and then you can basically picture what happened with the Wyatt family. Oh, I, I'm sure. I'm sure you're completely right. Insanity, I think. Insanity is a thing that could easily be screwed up on the main roster and probably will. I mean, like, the things fucking are highlighter colored. Like, Sanity, No Way Jose, uh, Ty Dillinger. Like, things that the WWE fucks up on the main roster are just so obvious. You're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's not going to work. 
Yep. Bailey. They've even kind of fucked oh up. Oh, my God. Bit. Yeah, Bailey being part of a five-on-one attack. That was wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, what came next? Was it the tag title match next? Yes, yes, which was your favorite uh, match, match of the match night. Was- Yes, yes, it was. This match was awesome. Um, whenever tag team wrestling is done really, really well, uh, it really makes me happy because it is kind of a – it was something that I fell in love with very early, and I see it get fucked up so frequently. So to see it done well, it really makes me happy. And goddamn, the revival. I mean, if they're not listed as the tag team of the year, then something's wrong because they're, they're amazing. Yeah. No, I, I thought it was a great match. Um, uh like I, I love the Shatter Machine by um, DIY. Um, yeah, no, no, I thought, I thought I, it was I loved good. all the callbacks to their previous matches with like Gargano getting. I mean, I legit thought he was going to tap there towards the end. Yeah, you know, I, I I don't know if I'd say I liked it better than their Brooklyn match because I really enjoyed that match. Um, mm-hmm. um, but it it was definitely up there, and I mean the Revival have had so many great matches this year. Their matches with with um, DIY with American Alpha and um, Don Cass. Yeah, yeah, they they've they always kind of bring it, which is funny because you look at them and you're like, well, these are um <laughs> these are weird-looking guys, yet they are able to just put on these these amazing matches and another don't judge a book by its cover. They kind of remind me of Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Like yeah, if I had but... to compare them to anything, that's that's kind of what they remind me of. And it's like, yeah, they're not the flashiest looking guys, but that's what the baby faces are for. And they're just there to basically just have these great matches with these great guys that you want to see beat them. So it works out perfectly. Yeah. By the way, um, this is amazing. So I'm looking through the um, WWE website on the superstars. So I clicked on Emma because they haven't changed it to Emma Lena yet. And they have like latest news. I, I want to read you all the headlines and the dates. For the this, the makeover of Emma to Emmalina is premiering soon. Raw, October twenty fourth, twenty sixteen. Emma's makeover to Emmalina is coming soon. Raw, October thirty first, twenty sixteen. The <laughs> Emmalina makeover is coming soon. Raw, November seventh, twenty sixteen. Emma becomes Emmalina soon. Raw, November fourteenth, twenty sixteen. Emmalina is arriving soon. Raw, November twenty first, twenty sixteen. I'm like, holy shit, man! There's more episodes of this than there are of Raw. Jesus. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't scroll down enough. There's two more. <laughs> Emmalina's premiering soon. Raw, October 3rd, 2016. The makeover of Emma to Emmalina premieres soon. Raw, October 17, 2016. God damn. Holy shit. shows up. It's like two months of Emmalina promos. Yeah, and they're all the It's the same promo every time, isn't it? I, I think, think so. It's like, here, them. she likes Instagram or something. She's in a bikini, which, I mean, that's nice, but. She's, she's, I don't know, I feel like Vince is like, what's Instagram? Make it Instagram wrestler. And they're like, what do you mean make it Instagram wrestler? And they're like, just do it. And this is what they came up with. Okay. Sure. Um, all right. So, um, then we had Asuka and Mickey James, and I'm thankful they didn't rush right into Asuka and Ember Moon. Because it, that's exactly why I like this, because I thought for sure, and again, this shows how NXT's booking is way better than the main roster. I thought for sure it's like, well, there's no other girl there. They've got it. They pretty much got to do Ember Moon. But no, they actually brought out an old star, used her well to put over the current champion, and 
they had a pretty good match and it was fine. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I hope they like keep going and maybe you get like Oscar and Ember Moon at, at Mania or the Royal Rumble one or whatever. But yeah. Um, because I don't want them to rush it, because then once that happens, then... I mean, I guess Ember Moon's a little more beatable than Asuka um, from the other roster standpoint. Like, she, I guess she could have a feud with Billy Kay, and it, like, seem more believable than Billy Kay feuding with Asuka and, like, not immediately having her head explode. Um, mm-hmm. So that was good. And then um, I think we had a uh, main event, right? Yeah, we did. Um, that's just good. I mean, it wasn't... I don't know. It wasn't one of my favorites or anything. I know. I feel like that's most of how I feel about Samoa Joe and Nakamura's like matches, just in general, not just with I, I each other, just in general. Samoa Joe matches. Yeah, that's how I feel about Samoa Joe matches in general these days. Like it was, it was fun. I know. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like there's, he doesn't excite me. He's ne- like, I don't know. He's never really excited me. Nakamura does, but he needs like the right dude. And mm-hmm. so many times Nakamura does so many things that are like quote unquote strong style that I kind of like, oh, that kick was cool. It was kind of like the last one. It's just like like I, I don't know, it's not it's not totally like clicking for me. Like I enjoyed the Brooklyn match, but like it paled in comparison to Bailey Asuka. Um I don't know. It, it's just like, you know, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like it just doesn't like excite me like like Neville and Zane did or like um or like Owens uh, and Zane. Yeah, Owens and Zane or Balor or and Balor Owens. And now I will say this. Yeah. Balor and Joe was fucking boring as fuck to me. Like their matches were yeah. fine. But it's like they feuded for a year. Like honestly, they feuded from October to like almost July. Like they yeah, that was the for... one feud that NXT has done. That's the one feud I can think of, especially at, like that main event of you know NXT World Title level. That I was like, I'm kind of sick of seeing this. Can we please stop? It's like people forgot how long they feuded. Like because they they got together before the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, so that was in like September. So the story started in like September. Then they like win it, and then he I think he turns on him in November, like late October, early November, whatever. Um, they have their match in London where Balor wins. Then they feud continuously. Then Balor wins again in Dallas. Then Joe wins on a house show. Then they have their match at the end. It's like that's like three pay-per-views for NXT. And NXT has pay-per-views like WWE did in 1989. They don't have them that often. So it went for like ever. Yeah. Yeah, thank God they stopped. I was kind of... Again, it's not that the matches were terrible. I was just, you know, sick of seeing it. Yeah, it's just not as, like... Like, they used to do, like, like there was... Like, at TakeOver, there'll be Tyson Kidd, Sami Zayn, Tyler Breeze, and Neville. And you're like, whoa, this is crazy. And now it's just like, here's the most indie street cred guys. They're all going to wrestle. And you're like, oh, all right. I'm just like, I wish they would just have... They would stop having Samoa Joe. Like, I wish somebody else could maybe come up once in a while. Like, you know, just for, like, a (laughs) mini feud or something. Can Nakamura have, like, a small feud with Elias Sampson, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) By the way, I'm the only guy who loves Elias Sampson. Um, my one problem with the Drifter gimmick is that NXT doesn't travel as much as they should. It'd be great if they were 
going to different places and he was playing this gimmick. I don't know. I think it would work better for me if that was the case. Yeah. All right. All right. So I think uh, I think that's it for us, right? Yeah. So, oh, well, the ultimate question, which was the better show, NXT TakeOver or Survivor Series? Shut up. <laughs> I'm not even serious, you dickhead. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. Um. Well, we'll see. I mean, I don't think it's fair. I think it's I think it's better to to do Lucha Underground and NXT. So Aztec Warfare or Takeover Toronto, I would say Aztec Ooh, Warfare. That is a tough one. That is a tough one. But I'm gonna give the slight edge to Aztec Warfare as well. Yeah. Um. I feel like Lucha Underground wins most of the time for me. Um. By the way, are you gonna get that new streaming? Um. I don't even know what it's called. Um. It has like every eye pay per view wrestling. Uh yeah, I want to get it. I'm gonna look into it. And do you still have New Japan the World? I do not. I yeah, I haven't had that in like the last six months or so. Okay, okay. All right. You well, know, yeah. one less thing to pay for. Exactly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Remember to like, follow, etc. For Mr. Eric Clancy and Mr. Patrick Kelly, we are signing off. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.